Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, I'm talking with Katia Rockmar Unlina about her recent Colorado Trail race win. She finished with a time of five days, one hour, and 53 minutes, which was fast enough to get the fastest known time for the Colorado Trail. The last FKT was set by Alexander Houchin back in 2019, so that record has been up for a little while. Prior to the Colorado Trail race, Katia came in second place to Lale at the Tour Divide, and at Colorado Trail race, the roles were reversed, and Lale finished second to Katia. So uh, both of them will be lining up for the Arizona Trail race, and I guess we've got a little bit of a race on our hands. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, of course, with these long events, anything can happen, uh, so anybody could win, and that's what makes them so exciting to watch. But this time, Katya found herself at the finish line first, and it was my pleasure to talk to her about her experience, both at the Colorado Trail Race and at the Tour Divide. So I absolutely enjoyed talking to her. I am so excited that she was willing to come on the podcast and share her experience with us. But before we get to my chat with Katya, Let's take a moment to thank the people that made today's episode possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. And I'm excited to say that this week we do have a few new patrons. So we would like to thank Spencer Snyder, Dan Perez, and Alexander Getty for all signing up to be sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast. Of course, we can't produce these episodes without your help, and if you enjoy seeing them pop up in your podcasting feed every week and you would like to support this work, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. So we'll keep it really short and sweet and get right into my chat with Katya. But first, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. the bike rides that some of my friends do at like 6 a.m i'm like i can't like i just can't do that that's too early i know i'm the same way unless you have to sign up for the colorado trail and that starts at 4 a.m right and then you just <laughs> suffer through it uh yeah yeah but uh, at that point i was just telling someone it's like it's early enough that it doesn't feel too early. like it's just like it doesn't feel early it just feels crazy <laughs> <laughs> The night before uh, Colorado Trail, like, are you able to get any sleep at all or, or, uh, or what? I went to bed at 11, so no, not really. And woke up. You, dang. Did you and get I any sleep? I, was, I mean, I did, but I think it was like, uh, yeah, a weird one. Yeah. That's always my fear with, uh, I've never done a race that starts at four, but, you know, the ones that start at six, I feel like, you know, my alarm's probably going to go off around 4 a.m. And I'm just worried that I'm you know, not going to get much sleep, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. I think there's a lot of people that probably don't get a lot of sleep yeah. the, the night before a big race. Maybe it's good. Maybe like 
Uh, I always kind of joke, uh, I'm a queen of blowing up. And so maybe the, um, I, I haven't recently, but the generator has been my trajection. So maybe being starting tired is a good thing. <laughs> uh, blowing up. So you go out too hard, too fast and yeah. it catches up well, with you. Yeah, well, you feel good and you're like, uh, yeah, you go out fast and then it's either, like, I got my, um, like physical pain figured out more or less like what causes it. But usually it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like my Achilles would like be totally blown up. Or I don't know something else. Um, I, I think I more or less have figured like out how to keep it at bay. But um, yeah, <laughs> Go, going you, out fast is bad for me. Yeah, I've I, yeah. I mean, I've seen that bite so many people um, in my own races and just you know across the board. It, you get all excited and you get in the you know in the competition with what everybody else is doing, and it can be hard to kind of stay in your own lane and stay in your own race. Can you, uh, can you elaborate on what uh, you said that you figured out what was causing uh, some physical discomfort? Yeah. I mean, my joke is my Achilles heel is my Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> uh, I think that's usually what goes. And like last year in CTR, I mean, I finished, but I was hiking with my uh, like foot out of a shoe. Like it just hurt to have like anything touching my Achilles, but uh, generally it's just a saddle. Like uh, I start with a saddle being way lower than I want to, because I, I have, I like power out of my saddle being high. So it feels good to have a saddle pretty high. And usually it doesn't matter. Like if it's a day ride, like wherever, like nothing will happen. But last year I had a dropper that was on its lowest setting and it normally like, but like it was all the way down, but it was still like too much um, uh, actual drop. So as in the seat was high. Um, and so, yeah, um, I like couldn't really do much about it. Um, and my Achilles just started hurting, I think on day three, pretty bad. And I like, couldn't do anything about it. And another thing that I started doing is bringing KT tape with me. Um, and that's been kind of a life, um, or game changer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Achilles changer. Achilles changer for sure. So do you, do you wrap it on your ankle then? Yeah, uh, I remember last year, Liz Sampy was like texting me like, this is how you fix your Achilles, like try to find some tape at Cathedral, like tape it this way. And then later I like looked up how to do it because KT is better than just like athletic tape. Um, so like how to do it better, the taping. Uh, and so for I did a race before Tour Divide that was called Cross Washington. And then my Achilles started to hurt on day two. I was just like sobbing. I was like, I can't do Tour Divide now because like this first race, like I'm already out. Like, what else can I do? And then I taped it and then I lowered my seat. And then over time, it got better. Oh, well, well, I guess let's just kind of briefly touch on Colorado Trail. How did it uh, how did it react uh, to that? Because that's a huge test on your Achilles yeah. heel. Uh, it, it was good, uh, like zero bad pains. Uh, but I think it's the tour divide that like kind of helped me figure out what I need to do uh, in terms of like not getting any physical pain and then Colorado Trail, no issues. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, you had 2,700 miles to figure it out. So that's a good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good opportunity to work through a yeah. lot of things, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to chat with you. I am as well. Uh, congratulations on a new uh, Colorado Trail FKT. That's that's amazing uh, and, and a really fast time. Uh, the previous time, just for uh, the listener and the re you know the record books, was by Alexander Houchin in 2019, and uh, so that that record's been up for a few years. And um, yeah, so congratulations! What a what a great ride! Thank you, thank you. 
Uh, I was surprised because uh, you and I chatted just briefly the other day, and you were saying you were feeling feeling totally fine, or yeah, it seemed like you weren't you weren't as wasted and, and as much pain as I was kind of expecting. Did did you did you experience any like? Were you in pain like the day after? And I just talked to you like three days after, and you were fine by then, or did you just have more in the tank? No, I actually felt good. Um, well, I don't know if I had more in the tank necessarily because it was, I think, sleep limited. But mm-hmm. once I got sleep, I felt good. Um, yeah, no, no injuries. Um, I feel like it was a smooth run. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel good. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so the biggest limiting factor was just uh, was just sleep deprivation, but your body really held up to the challenge and and performed. Yeah. Um, actually, the one thing that did happen, but I think it happened to a lot of us, um, my voice totally went away. Uh, so it was, I also, well, I mean, it's kind of like a breathing issue, I guess. Uh, so I was trying to breathe out of my nose the entire time. So maybe that is a limitation too, because I was worried that if I breathe out of my mouth, my voice would just completely uh, disappear. Why um, do you need your your uh, voice during the race? Well, I was worried that it'll like, just affect my respiratory system. I was just oh, okay. like, it was getting worse and worse. And I was like, I'm not really sure what's happening. So, um, yeah. I, so I at one point you transitioned from breathing uh, through your mouth to like just breathing through your nose or trying to just breathe or through trying your nose. To, yeah, which I generally yeah. try to do. Uh, but there I was like specifically trying not to go above my heart rate where like I need to like huff and puff. <laughs> Yeah. Is, is that intentional as a way to keep you kind of in that zone two heart range, heart range where you can still breathe through your nose? Uh, yeah. I, in general, I, I do wear a like a heart monitor, just watch, not like the strap. Um, and I do try to pay attention. Like I never really want to be above like 145, 150. Um, on the first day, like I can allow myself um, like a few like sprints, but I usually do look at my watch and see like, oh, like you're going a little too fast. Like it's too exciting. Like just um, slow slow down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I generally try not to get in a state where I like have to breathe too, too heavily. I imagine that can be hard at 13,000 feet. (laughs) I did train, did train for it. I went on a four day trip um, like a week before just to, yeah, acclimate. Acclimatize. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, before we kind of get into some of your racing accomplishments this year, I wanted to um, kind of go back and just learn a little bit about you um, and, and what, you know, what led you up to this stage. And I don't know if you want to call it your racing career or, or whatever in your life, but um, I'd be curious to know, like how you were first introduced to bikepacking, like how and when you, you were first introduced. Um don't know if I have like a very like distinct moment necessarily. First, it was road biking and then bike touring on road bikes. I moved from Michigan to California. So that was kind of the bike packing experience, just not on mountain bikes. And then I got into mountain bikes maybe three, four years ago. I was really reluctant because I was worried about hurting myself. But then I had a lot of fun. And then you just combine the two. I remember my first trip, I think, was Tahoe Twirl with now my partner. We just started dating and, and I just passed... Uh, like a grad school milestone. So that was like a treat to go bikepacking. Yeah. And I was really worried about that trip. But then my downhills was fine. Like nothing went wrong. I was like worried. I was like, oh, all the rocks, I'm going to fall. Yeah. Um, and that just did more and more. My first race was probably the Arizona Trail, uh, what meant to be 800, but I only did the 300 because it just destroyed me. That was um, three years ago. 
Um, and then last year I picked up more and then this year even more. So it's kind of gradual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It usually is. Uh, although I did interview, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Wow. That's terrible. <laughs> it happens. It does happen. Glitches it, it happens. Huh? Glitches and brains. Yeah, my brain is definitely glitching. It's still too early in the morning. This is terrible. What is her freaking name? Uh, well, she she rode 39. I don't know if you ever heard that episode, but uh, everyone will know who I'm talking about. She was one of she's been one of my most uh, popular episodes episodes. But her husband uh, passed away and his dying wish was that she would ride the Tour Divide kind of on, on his behalf and she spread his ashes um, along the Tour Divide. And she wasn't a bike packer or, or even a, a real cyclist. And so she only rode like 39 miles ever before like hopping on the mm -hmm. Tour Divide. But that's pretty uncommon. Most of us uh, yeah. work, our, work our way up there. Yeah, that is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm curious about your personal background um, as it relates to like athletic endeavors, because, you know, truly Tour Divide, Colorado Trail, Arizona Trail, these are some of the hardest, you know, endurance efforts that are available to humans. Um, do you have a background in athletics that, that uh, kind of gave you a baseline, I guess, of fitness and, and, and the, this idea of like taking on really hard athletic pursuits? Or is this, is this really just a new thing that you've, you've really like ingrained in yourself? Uh, I mean, I think stubbornness is what I have. Um, That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, also kind of slow. So yeah, I do have some background. I feel like... Um, and I always like ran a lot. And before I got into biking, I just like ran a lot and I wasn't ever good at running, but uh, it was kind of the same um, endurance mindset. And I don't have like a shred of fast twitch muscles in me. Um, like I can't sprint, um, bike or run or whatever, but I can just go pretty fast, pretty much forever. Uh, but uh, I think my introduction of um, outside of bikepacking where like um, I tested myself more and got really excited is uh, Randon Uring. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that style already. I'm doing one. Yeah, so I'm doing the Ozark Randonneer. Uh, it's a new event um, this year. Uh, they have 120 and a 200-mile option in the Ozarks in Arkansas. So I'm doing that on September 16th, and that'll be my first one. But awesome. uh, it's an event style that I'm, I think is really cool, and it's something I've been wanting yeah. to do. Uh, yeah, because it's a lot of people who are very friendly, but they're very hardcore, but they like don't tell you about it. Uh, they just like do really long rides. So one of like my, even to this day, like more proud accomplishments is that on my birthday, I saw that my local rendering had a 600K event. So like roughly 380 miles with like 30,000 feet of climbing. And I was like, wouldn't that be a good present for myself? If I just do it. And mm -hmm. I showed up like totally unprepared, like didn't have enough lights, like battery. My thinking was like, if I'm having a bad time, I'll just stop somewhere, charge things and finish whatever. Uh, but then I ended up writing with like one of the first people ahead. Um, and you are allowed to draft in that event. So we just kind of helped each other and get to the finish. Um, and so I think, uh, my endurance comes from just like fascination of how far I can go and things seem impossible. And when you like actually complete it, it's like very amazing. Um, uh, and so it's maybe that adrenaline rush of like, I can't believe I did this, um, uh, yeah. me doing those longer events. 
So how long have you been, you know, a cyclist? It sounds like you've, yeah, you've done bike touring, you've done randoneering. How long have you, how long have you been in the game, so to speak? Yeah, maybe when I moved hmm, six or seven years, that that has a distinct story. Uh, I I was a runner and then in Alaska, I like tripped and fell and broke my leg, (laughs) Uh, like totally broke my leg. And then uh, I couldn't run or walk that well, but I got into biking because my friend just gave me her like $100 Walmart bike. Um, So yeah, that was about seven years ago. But that that was like the event where I was like, bikes are cool because I can get very far with a broken leg. And then I bought my own bike. And then next summer I biked to California and then just continued on and on and on. So yeah, six or seven years. Wow. Do you do any running these days or have you completely traded it in for the bike? Um, occasionally like as a training, uh, but it's, it's hard. It's like at most you could do three, four miles about injury. I, the, before Colorado trail, I went on like a eight mile run out of nowhere. And I like, like running up hills. That's like particularly what I'm good at, like not flats. And then my knee was hurting. It's like, well, I guess I'm not surprised. I should probably not run eight miles out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> or Arizona trail, I might pick up running a little more. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, so I, I've, I have a goal of doing, I want to do an ITT in the spring of the um, AZT. And um, I've started to incorporate, I live in Texas, so like we have no hills. Yeah. I just go to the gym and I put it on a 15% incline and nice. I just run or walk and, and just do, you know, incline to, to really work on my Achilles heel. And it's crazy. I'll be at like a hundred. This blows my mind. I, I just recently, like two months ago, got a gym membership and I started like doing this like incline, you know, workouts, but just walking or running uphill and I'm pegging, I'm like, my heart rate's at like 150, 160, just walking or running uphill. And I'm like, Jesus, like, it's just, but I'm not conditioned for it at all. You know, like there's, it's just flat around here. So, um, yeah, I could see a lot of value. I could see a lot of value even on the Colorado trail. Um, that that's, I mean, that's a hiking trail. So yeah, I do. I do boulder. I mean, right now I can't boulder because I can't crimp <laughs> like this, like this hand I can crimp, but the other hand I can't crimp. Um, left, <laughs> left hand is like useless. Um, but before that I was bouldering and doing, well, I still do weights. But, so like I do try to cross train. Um, and yeah. I think it does help, especially mountain biking. Like your core is not a sore at the end of the day. Arms are not a sore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you did tour divide this year and came in second place. Uh, was this your first tour divide run? It was my first. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, and, and also like, are you, it sounds like, yeah, you're doing the AZT. So you set a goal of doing the triple crown this year. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I wanted to, but, um, there's just so much turbulence, like, that potentially could happen. So it was, it was more like, uh, it would be nice to do a triple crown, but it wasn't like a set intention. It's, um, I felt like it was okay. Well, I got my job to let me do tour divide, which felt like once in a lifetime. So I said, well, if that goes well, um, I asked them like, well, can I do Colorado trail? And they're like, no, sorry. Like that's way too much time off. And I was like, okay. And then I did tour divide and then so happened that I got another job later, but, um, I also, was like, well, maybe I'll just quit my job too. Uh, and so then I quit my job to the Colorado Trail. Uh, and then it, the saying was kind of still similar. Like if it goes well, maybe I'll do Arizona Trail. Um, so I never like was like, oh, I for sure will do the Triple Crown. It's more like if things go well and things align, then great. Um, yeah. 
What was your uh, what was your goal with this year's Tour Divide being your first one? Uh, did you have lofty goals, or was it more just like I'm just going to go out and see see you know what I can do? Uh, more of a later. Uh, I think my only kind of a joke goal, but a goal was to beat my partner who did it twice. <laughs> uh, his was 22 days, and um, he essentially said like if you get under 20 days, it's great. So that was my like actual goal, and then. I kind of looked around other times um, for other uh, women who've done it and just like I knew I rode against Anna in Colorado Trail. So I was like, well, I could probably shoot for like around 18 days uh, based on like other people who I know how they ride. Um, so that, that was my like stretch goal, I guess. Yeah. And uh, what was your finish time? I know you came in second place, but what was your actual time? Um, I don't know. I don't remember the hours exactly. It was like maybe it was definitely 17 days, maybe like eight or nine hours. I'm not sure. Wow. So what are like, you've had some time to reflect on that race. You came in second to, to Lael, um, with a goal of 20 and came in, you know, a little over mm -hmm. 17. Are you, are you pretty stoked on your result? Like how, how are you feeling about that effort? Yeah, I feel great. Um, I do feel like I could drop a lot of time, but I think every rookie who does a ride kind of feels that way. It's just I feel like knowing the course really helps. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm not disappointed by any means. Um, yeah. I was kind of at some point, I was like, well, maybe I should be sub 17. And I'm sure I could have made it. Um, but uh, I was just like, eh, I need to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't feel like having an all-nighter uh, like for over 200 miles. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, that, that's it. <laughs> okay. Um, what was your, you know, first time on the, the tour divide? What, what was your thoughts? Is that a course that suits you? Did you, did you enjoy that route? What were your thoughts about it? Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I'm more of a mountain biker and I was worried that the, like the stretches that you could see like the road for miles and miles would bore me and they didn't really bore me. So that's good. Uh, I was worried about like boredom, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the the hardest part for me was nighttime riding because because of that uh you know on a mountain bike you're like so focused on not dying that you're not sleepy there you just see this like light and you have like 20 miles uphill um and yeah i was just like getting really sleepy but um the course was really fun like it, the landscape changed a lot my favorite place was basin i know not a lot of people love it <laughs> um yeah <laughs> why was that out. your favorite Let, let's let's touch on that because you're right especially this year it was a cause of a lot of calamity so yeah why why was that your favorite part um, that was my favorite part because i kind of did plan around then so i knew that on friday there'd be mud um weather-wise uh, and I did it on Saturday which I have been forecast it's more or less tailwinds I had a little bit of headwind but mostly tailwind and then I knew on Saturday it would be like or sorry Sunday would be horrible um headwinds and so I kind of like did try to get there on Saturday which timing wise it was working out anyways so I think I just had a good time because the ground was dry and the I had a bit of tailwind and I mean the views are really cool I remember there's uh, one part where the trail just kind of disappears and just like go downhill and then you see it like miles later in the landscape um yeah and oh, it went cool. by pretty fast it just felt like I was flying for the landscape yeah I mean it, it's amazing you know that's conditions right I mean yeah. uh you know whether you're gonna have mud or a headwind and it's gonna be miserable or whether you're gonna hit the same spot with a little bit of a tailwind and you're like man this is nice riding I had this question a little bit later down on my list but uh you touched on it 
Um, what do you do to entertain yourself? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, whether you're doing 2,700 miles or 500 miles, uh, there's going to be opportunities where your mind maybe is a little, you know, isn't as satiated. Um, people get tired. Boredom is, is common. Uh, what do you do to kind of keep yourself motivated and, and entertained uh, to keep pushing? Uh, well, I'm actually pretty introverted, but I realized that on Tour Divide, it was really nice to run into people, like just to chat a little. I remember there's one section, I think it was right before Richmond Peak, that just like went up and down. It was really hot and I was just really like losing my mind. And then uh, one of the writers caught up, uh, Brooke, and we just like had a nice chat and lo and behold, like we're done and we we're going faster too. Um, so I can like match someone's speed pretty well and forget about the fact that I'm like trying uh, biking. Um, so yeah, chatting here and there helps. Um, and I pretty much was running into someone for all but like two or three days. Um, so that's one thing. If I'm by myself, I listen to podcasts. Um, sometimes I count on base eight, <laughs> just count over and over um, one through eight. <laughs> really? What? Yeah, Tell I me about why. that. I... Not, uh, it... It's not to 10, it's to eight. <laughs> Is that an OCD thing or is there like a, a breathing technique I'm not aware of? Uh, I think it's just like, it's not on purpose, but it's like maybe meditation of sorts where like yeah. I'm not thinking of anything and I'm just counting over and over. Yeah. Uh, How long will you do that for? Eh, 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 160 episodes and I've never heard that one. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to try that on my next, it might, I mean, that could be the key to, you know, these good results is just counting to eight. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure it's eight. It's not seven yeah. or nine or 10. Yeah. Don't fuck around with seven or nine. You got to get right on, right <laughs> on that eight. That's, that is super interesting. How long have you been doing that for? Like, for do you just, yeah. Like, oh, do you I just, just started... find myself counting. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just like, yeah. oh, what am I doing? Oh, I'm counting. I don't know why, but yeah. I'm like, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I I'm sorry. I'm a curious person, so I'm gonna dig in just a little bit more. Uh, what it, what are you by trade? Are you like an engineering type mind? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I did uh, civil engineering in college, and then like like in doing software ish slash sciencey things. Um, so yeah, lots of uh, I like computers and math and all that. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, I find I've, I've commented on this before, but just, this is an anecdotal, you know, um, reflection, I guess, but, um, it seems like engineers, there, there's a large population of bikepackers that are engineers. And, uh, I'd be curious to get your thoughts. I'm not an engineer. Um, uh, not even close to that mindset, but like, um, is it the puzzle the, of, of, you know, everything, you know, that, that you put together that's so maybe attractive, like a, a part of this that's attractive to you? Um, yeah, it's like methodical. Like if you do this and that, you'll get this. Um, there's a bit of that, uh, like kind of math. Um, in terms of like, yeah, like in terms of how brain works, I do have to say I'm not like very mechanically inclined. Um, I can fix bikes somewhat to like get by, but like I do not get joy out of parts or like putting the bike together. Like I yeah. like riding, so that's not really an aspect. I'm sure some other engineers like love um, geeking out about yeah. parts, putting the bike together, but that's not me. Um, what about from a planning aspect, you know, like just planning your ride, um, you um, know, look at the maps, all that kind of stuff. That's not me. Yeah. I really? Okay. Um, I kind of just go into things like um, it'll work out. 
I mean, I do plan like, you know, like if it's Arizona trail, I try to like make sure I know where water is or have at least an app that more or less I like rely on. <laughs> and I look at that, but, um, for like Colorado trail, especially if I'm familiar, like no planning, it's more like where my body takes me is where my body takes me. Maybe in the moment there's a bit of planning, like, Oh, like I need to do the cataract ridge before noon to not get killed by lightning. But that's like in a moment, that's not like days ahead. Sure. Yeah, that'd be very difficult to plan for, for a lot of variables there. So uh, speaking to your approach a little bit more, is, is this approach to racing, um, intentional? Is it, is this just who you are as a person and you know, you don't want to over-prepare some people like don't want to over-prepare cause they want, you know, kind of to have the more adventurous side of, of what they're going to be doing kind of rise to the top and not like over plan. So is there something that's kind of like dictating that approach? Uh, no, I mean, I feel like I'm prepared enough that like, I'm not going to be stranded or up to the elements. Uh, so there's that preparation. But in terms of like mapping and where I'm going to go and like just meticulous details, I like to not have a plan because to me, like plans kind of make for disappointments. It's like really hard to keep a plan. So I just do what I can or feel like. And then where I end up is where I end up. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like that approach because if you plan, Uba said it pretty well on, on the podcast that I did with him. It's like, you know, you have, it's good to have a goal and something to shoot for, but like, you also have to be very prepared for the fact that like things aren't going to go to according to plan. And so you need to have like, kind of like sub plans, at least that's his approach. You know, it's like, so, you know, you're never like, hopefully not disappointed. Right. Cause th- you have to go into this knowing that it's not going to go directly to plan. Most like, I mean, I haven't talked to anyone who's had a perfect run <laughs> on a bikepacking race yet, you know? I mean, my mantra bid became as it is what it is. So when you're climbing something, you're having a bad time, you're like, well, like it'll be over. Like don't count down the miles. And I am trying not to count down the miles to the end. Um, and I think that's why I did good on Tour Divide. You just wake up, do the thing and like have a good time. But I think if you start counting down the days, like, oh, I still like I have 14 days till I'm done, like that's bad mental state. And I have done that before for races where you're so tired and it's so hard where you're just like, I just want it to be over. And you like, look at the miles, like start calculating when you're going to be done. And of yeah. course, then you can't like keep that because you get more tired. Um, so that becomes like a mental challenge. And I try not to do that. Yeah, I think the better, you know, at least from my perspective, the better you can stay like just in that moment. And I, I go down to like, if, if I'm struggling and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, too far in the future, I'll, I'll like start to look at like the rock that's right in front of my mm-hmm. tire, you know, and just like, or the piece of like that plant that's right there and try to bring, you know, bring myself back to where I'm at, you know, and, uh, yeah, it is what it is. And everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing. So, um, and it's what you signed up for. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, another quote from my partner. I mean, it's not his original, but play stupid games, win stupid prizes. We all are doing this and there are no prizes and we signed up. So why not that time? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the prize is what you're doing when you're out there, you know, yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's what, that's a big part of it, at least for sure. Um, what is your mindset? You, you said, uh, you know, essentially to keep yourself happy on the bike, um, you know, over the course of Tour Divide, Colorado Trail, like, what is your mindset typically? Are you, are you, are you enjoying it? Are you suffering? Are you in mental anguish? Like what, you know, where, how are you at in your headspace when you're, when you're doing these big efforts? 
Uh, I mean, it changes. So this year it's a little better. Uh, maybe because of like once you get physical pain, that's bad. Not like from tiredness. That's a little different. Um, and then it's pretty hard to have a good mental state because yeah, you're like just worried your body's gonna like actually be permanently damaged. Yeah, but if I, if I'm not having any bad physical pain, um, I'm generally pretty happy. Like this year, I really enjoyed. Um, like yeah, I didn't really have really negative times on Tour Divide. Uh, or Colorado Trail. Colorado Trail was actually like really fun. Like I think I had a lot of fun in the moment. Like the That's descents awesome. were really fun. Like seeing all the lights at night was really fun. Like knowing that like other people are doing the same thing. At the end, I was very sleep deprived and kind of had like this weird out of body experience. But that was fun, even though it was probably it was there because I was tired. Uh, and Tour de Wild was for me pretty sustainable. I think I slept enough consistently every day. That it. I mean, it was a race, but it kind of felt like. Um, you know, maybe fast backing. Again, I was tired and I was racing. I was trying not to waste time, but uh, it felt like, well, I'm just like out of here. Like, I don't know. My job is to wake up, eat and bike and it doesn't hurt too bad. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we know what your high point was at Tour Divide. Uh, let's, what was your low point? What was, or the hardest section or yeah. part you disliked? Yeah. <laughs> Low point. I mean, there's a few. So one of the low points was when I got my bottom bracket totally destroyed. Um, well, I had a lot of mechanicals, but the one that I really thought I would have to quit uh, was the bottom bracket by radium, so outside of Kremlin. Um, and um, yeah, once I got to the highway and I could call bike shops, everyone's like, we don't have your bottom bracket. Like, it's a weird one. Like, we don't have it. Uh, and then eventually it was like, okay, well, I should ask for the bearings because it's not the bottom bracket, it's the bearings. Like, oh yeah, we have the, the bearings, like we have the bearing size. Smart. So then I caught the ride. Um, and it was a roller coaster. But I in the moment when I was in the car and I wasn't sure uh, getting a ride to fix it, um, I wasn't sure if I was gonna continue or not. And that made me really sad, which meant like I was really am I was enjoying it. Because I'm sure in some other races I would have had a moment where like if something broke down, I'd be like, Well, at least I'm done. Like I'm tired. Like, oh, this is a good excuse. I did not have that feeling for Tour Divide. Like, I was generally very uh, sad to quit. Yeah. Um, so that was a low because I, I was pretty certain I would have to quit. Um, but that worked out. In terms of uh, physically hard, I think it was the Gila because uh, it was really, really hot and there's smoky in the beginning. And I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't really know, like, in what way. Like, uh, my partner has done the ride and he's like, yeah, the Gila is like hard. You think you're done, but you're not done. And like, just takes forever. Uh, so that's in New Mexico. Um, and yeah, I just remember going under trees and like taking a few naps. Um, and I was just really tired and not having it anymore. I wanted to be done. Yeah. I really like what you said about, you know, not taking that, you know, quote unquote opportunity with your bottom bracket to, you know, remove yourself from the race. Cause I think, you know, anyone who's done this kind of stuff has certainly been there where I know like my mental checklist will usually go something like, is this a good enough problem that I can justify quitting? No, fuck. I got to keep going, you know, yeah. and you're kind of having those like, uh, dialogues with yourself and you have to keep going and, and sometimes even maybe praying or wishing for, you know, something to go wrong. So yeah, you'd have a yeah. good excuse. You're like, man, I wish I could wreck and break my collarbone right now. That would be better <laughs> than, you know, what I'm doing here. Uh, so I, I love that whenever, yeah, you, you know, it is all about coming overcoming adversaries at, at, adversary and you know to have such a big mechanical uh and to feel that 
I, for you has to be like a great feeling to be like, yeah, I want to be in this. I want mm -hmm. to be here. Um, was that spurred on by how well you were doing in the race and, and some goals that you had set, or was that just more of an internal thing? Like, Hey, I want to be out there riding my bike. Like what was, what was your motivation? I think kind of all of them. I felt good, like physically good. Um, I felt like I was doing well. Um, yeah, there's no one like really behind or, well, at that point, the friends I was writing with were like too far ahead, but yeah, I was like, I'm in a good place. I'm feeling good. Um, this thing is really hard to get by this thing tour divide is very hard to get time off for. So I like don't really want to try to do this again. I mean, maybe I will, but like, I don't want to like be like, Oh, I have to come back to finish this. Um, and then yeah, one time, like kind of thinking back in Colorado trail last year where I was way closer to quitting, uh, the thought of like, well, all this preparation, that went into this race and then the thought of driving back in your car kind of like i didn't do this um i think was like strong enough feeling that like i didn't want to quit yeah it's like a bad feeling to return after all this time and money uh, because something went wrong right yeah absolutely yeah it's a it's a great motivator well cool let's uh let's talk about the colorado trail um first question did you uh did you ride the same bike that you did with tour divide or did you change it up so would uh, you yeah tour divide bike was very different it was a uh, fully rigid drop bars um so for colorado trail it was a uh, hardtail i um last year rode a full suspension uh bike because that's the only bike that i had that made sense and it had a lot a lot of travel so it was very heavy uh, very fun in downhills but not really good for hiking so this year I was a little worried because I didn't really have a bike. I didn't want to do Colorado Trail again, knowing that my bike, um, like, it's fun to do the first time and see the landscape and try. But the second time, it's like, well, I'm probably going to try to do it faster. So I should have a faster bike. Uh, and it was pretty hard to find a bike. Um, luckily, um, Jackson, my partner, gave me his. <laughs> it fits me. So oh, I that's used nice. Yeah, I used this Kona Hanzo. He's pretty nice. He's like, ah, you have better chances of winning things uh, than me. Because he was also doing other races that he would prefer to have a bike that I was using. He's like, ah, you have better chances. You take it. Oh, so nice. <laughs> I know. Uh, and it was actually sweet. Uh, the bike rode very well downhill. Um, and yeah, I had no mechanicals. I actually do have a local uh, friend who helps me with uh, bike stuff. And he's like, you could finally tell people that I'm your mechanic because no mechanicals. Because my bikes are always destroyed. And it's not his fault. It's like my fault. And he's always like, don't tell me I'm your mechanic because your bikes are destroyed. Yeah. But this time nothing happened and it rode well. It was super light. I could um, I could pick it up by the bottom bracket and just run up hills. Um, oh, wow. Which I did sometimes. Uh, so it's kind of fun. <laughs> All right. Two questions. Uh, let's give a shout out to your mechanic for this bike alone. Yes. And uh, do you know how much your bike weighed? Fully loaded. So that's actually another thing. I never ever like count calories. Actually, well, I said that, but I did count calories this time just out of curiosity for food. But I also never count weight. Like I don't weight my parts. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like, well, I, I'll, I'll try to do my best, but I don't actually put it on scale. I it doesn't try. really matter, right? I it's like, no idea. yeah, yeah. you got to take what you got to take and you whittle it down as light as possible. And then yeah. it's like, it is what it is. Yeah. Like you it is what it is. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, who's your mechanic? Let's give him a shout out for uh, doing Jason such a Pierce great. In Oakland. Hey, Jason. Good job. <laughs> the winning FKT bike on the Colorado Trail. Nice. Yeah. He's been helping me with bikes for like a long, long time. Um, but for, yeah. 
the yeah. fact that I have running bikes is yeah, probably him. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm sure it's not a reflection of his mechanical abilities. Uh, bikes over 2,700 miles, uh, I mean, all you're going to hear about is usually carnage. It's it's rare. I mean, actually, Uba got to the end with no, uh, no mechanicals, but I mean, it's just rare not to have you know, anything. I mean, new tires, new bottom bracket, new chain because it got stretched out, new brakes. I mean, something, you know, is usually going to uh, fail you, you know, over that long of a ride. No one has, uh, on Tour Divide, no one had Victoria Mescal tires, which is like one of the more popular ones. I was like blown away. I really needed tires because I did a race before, then I biked to the start. And then so at the start of Tour Divide, I already had a plug and like they look sad and no one had them. <laughs> And so actually when I had the bottom bracket mechanical, um, there's a guy who worked at the coffee shop who also ended up working at a bike shop and like off time. He's like, I have a pair that I could sell you. I was like, thank you. I really <laughs> <need> tires. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it's good to be on a tire that you're familiar with for sure. So you did uh, Colorado Trail last year. Was that your first time to do the Colorado Trail? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and how did that one go? I don't know what you placed in that one. So how did that first uh, went, first? <laughs> oh, it went horrible. Um, I was <laughs> I was leading, uh, and at some point I was leading, and I was sad about it because I like wanted to rest, but I felt like I couldn't. Uh, and so I was like pushing myself harder than I should have. My bike was very heavy. It was a really horrible like rainy year, like just rain pretty much all the time. My gear, I, I like showed up overconfident. I was like, oh, like I could like survive things they'll be fine so i didn't bring too too much warm stuff and a lot of stuff got wet so i have a particular moment where i'm go going up fuses which uh, from denver to durango that's just a big climb and then you're in like really high up and remote after that and everything is wet i'm eating a cherry pie under a tree and just crying like and i'm eating the cherry pie just knowing that i'm gonna quit and i need the warmth to like, descend down somewhere so i was like eating the food to like get warmer mm. then i get to the top um it like looks miserable up top, um, like around 12,000. And then I got into the shelter and I was like, okay, I'm going to quit. Um, and then some hikers came through and they were just so happy and cheery and somehow made a fire, even though it was raining. And then that like turned around my mood. I was like, if they can do it, like I can do it. But by then Anna and Alexander already passed. Like I heard them and actually it was really nice because then I felt like, okay, there's no more pressure. Like I don't have to like yeah. try to lead. Um, and I did finish, even though, like, again, I, like, made plans to quit. Like, I knew for sure, like, this is it. Uh, so it was pretty sweet to continue on. And I was slower after, and my Achilles started hurting. And I, like, stopped up to get, like, coffee more. You know, like, I, it was more of, like, just survival at that point. Um, yeah. But it was nice. Like, I'm happy I finished. Um, it wasn't horrible. It was, like, still, like, six days, like, maybe, like, 12 hours or something. I'm not sure. So not still not a horrible time, but uh, going from leading to to almost quitting to barely finishing um, this kind of trajectory. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, the way I like to look at things is from your, you know, the, 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 what you'll learn through that experience and how you can apply it in mm -hmm. future endeavors. Right. And like learn that you can get to your lowest place and be crying under a tree when it's raining and eating your cherry pie, planning on quitting and then figuring a way to turn it around, stick in it and, and finish it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think those are great experiences from an experiential learning, you know, standpoint. Uh, yeah, I think it taught me not like kind of uh, to be not so overconfident. Uh, kind of like, again, like it is what it is. Like if you have to quit, that's fine. Um, 
but like also preparation like for all my races this year i brought like a 10 degree quilt and a sleeping pad that's like thick just like if i use it great if i don't whatever at least like it gives me peace of mind because i wasn't prepared i was like i can you know i could survive cold and rain like it'll be fine uh, and now i'm like no like it's not pleasant <laughs> <laughs> so is that part of it. what is that part of what was really difficult the first time was just uh, under equipped essentially from a from literally an equipment standpoint not not a yeah. physical standpoint under equipped uh having too heavy of a bike and also like kind of being in the leads when i should not have been uh like pushing myself harder like uh right now i probably would like i mean i'm competitive but not that competitive um and so now I just mostly look at my heart rate uh, and see how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm pushing myself. Where where did you place in uh, last year? Uh, well, 12 women started. I was third and only four of us finished. Uh, and then overall, I'm not sure. Probably like mid-pack. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. When you finished uh, Colorado Trail last year, did you think you would ever do it again? Oh no, I I distinctly <laughs> remember like promising myself to never, ever, ever, please never, ever do that ever again. Like it was a very like distinct line I remember in my head. And then of course, like I didn't anticipate anyone at the end. Like I didn't know anything about the end other than like, I'm doing the final descent I'm very familiar with. I was like so mad at the bike and like everything. I was like, don't ever do this again. This is horrible. Um, and then I crossed the line and there's so many people there. <laughs> like Alexandra was there and like everyone's cheering. And, uh, I think pretty instantly, like I forgot that I told myself that I don't ever want to do this again. And yeah. then, yeah, like uh, I got pizza at home the next day. I wake up after like 10 hours of sleep and I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. Like I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the, I, I haven't had the privilege of being at the end of the Colorado trail, but just from like social media and like articles on the internet, um, it seems like there's a distinct difference between finishing the tour divide in the middle of nowhere where you're mm -hmm. lucky if one person is there to pick mm -hmm. you up, uh, versus Colorado trail where, um, the sense I get is a lot of, you know, racers and, and people from the community will just come and celebrate your finish and have a beer or a pizza or, or whatever. Um, yeah, is, is that, is my perception kind of accurate there? Uh, kind of accurate. So I think Durango, uh, draws a little more people and also time of day matters. Like I finished in, uh, the, you know, the Waterton Canyon who just like kind of like not a nice, not as nice place as, uh, Durango. Um, and my two poor friends, uh, who live in Denver, they set alarms starting at midnight, uh, to like wake up every hour to check where I am to pick me up. I was like, don't worry about it. Like, I'll sleep in a bivy. And like, you know, like when I finish, like I'll sleep, sleep in a bivy. Like you can pick me up whenever it doesn't matter. Yeah. But they were so sweet. So they were there at 5 a.m. Even though like they had no idea when I would actually finish. And it was just them. But I think if it was like 1 p.m., that would be a different story. Yeah. No, that's true. Timing definitely matters uh, yeah. for sure. Um, so going into this year. Um, oh, wait. I know. No. Hold on a second. So you, you thought you'd never do it again. And that, that you made a post on Instagram, something to the effect, I think I might've wrote it down, essentially like questioning why you had signed up for this race again. Uh, it seemed like you had a little bit of self doubt or just, you know, I, I don't know exactly what was going on, but I thought it would be worth uh, speaking to like where you were at in your head and, and why you ultimately decided to give it another, another go. 
Uh, yeah, so I did go on a tour before for four days or something. And like pretty instantly, I was like, it's beautiful. And that makes me sad because I know it will be like a lot harder. So like it wouldn't matter, like the landscape, because I would like not stop to eat as much. Like I can't like just stop and like look at the things and I'd have to ride into the night. So I was like, why am I doing this? Like, it's really hard. Like I've already toured this like prettiest area of Colorado Trail just, uh, you know, like a week before. Uh, so that was my questioning because um, I like to do new races for like just the novelty. And uh, I don't know if I'm kind of the person who like would do races over and over again. Um, so that was my questioning. And I still do think that I partially did it because everyone else was doing it. Not like, I mean, not great reason, but that was like worrying me. And I think it is kind of why I showed up. But once I was pedaling, though, like I just like it wasn't really an issue. Uh, I didn't feel bad and I was tired in a good way and I was having fun um like just things worked out like yeah sure maybe I was there because everyone was doing it and I felt like I had to be there and I had time off and uh like it felt like once in a lifetime opportunity to do like all three races or at least try to in a year I, like it would be hard to like again like I'd have to quit my job probably again and that's hard um so that was the reason why I showed up but I, I had I had fun so I don't regret showing up it's an interesting year um Colorado Trail uh, had a very strong field, and we have quite a few people this year that are going for Triple Crown. So, um, mm. yeah, it, it's a really interesting year. I, it's the it's more people going for Triple Crowns than uh, mm. any time I I can remember. Um, so it, it's kind of exciting, and and now you're in that conversation too um, with yeah. with your Colorado with your Colorado Trail win this year. Um, it's the fear of missing out. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, FOMO is real, right? <laughs> All my friends are out there. Like, you could be at home watching their dot and looking at their Instagram, or you could be out there with yeah, them. Doing it. Yeah, doing Yeah. Uh, did you get to ch a chance to meet Hannah Simon? I did. She's super nice and awesome, yeah. Yeah, so she's she's from Austin. Um, we're... Uh, I'm doing a podcast series with her because she had signed up to do the triple crown. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of just like follow her journey across, you know, doing, doing all three races. One thing that she did before tour divide was like go up to Montana and tour it for a week for two reasons, one to get acclimatized and two to kind of soak in the beauty and like just enjoy riding her bike so that when it came time to race, she wasn't feeling that FOMO of, oh, I don't get to stop for coffee. I don't get to look at the pretty trees or whatever. Um, did, did you find that to be helpful for you by getting that tour out of the way and kind of like, okay, you know, I, I've enjoyed this. Now I can put my head down and, and race it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Tour Divide was similar too. I did, uh, I think like so many of us back to the start, I felt like we were like little migrating birds. Uh, yeah. uh, I think Tour Divide particularly, maybe that was a little more, uh, I like biked from my other race in Spokane to uh, Banff. Um, and like, yeah, kind of following Alexandra in her footsteps. We like had a fun time with Kyla Peterson um, in um Inferni. So yeah, like I was just kind of like, let's hang out with friends while we're biking to the start. Um, yeah. And that helped kind of like, and then when I was in Banff, um, I think I was there for two days and I remember the feeling of like, I just want this to start. Like I'm tired of just bumming around town, drinking coffee. Like I want to start. So that, that's a good feeling when you want the race to start. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, yeah, it's an interesting approach and we're seeing a lot of riders 
yeah, whether they're doing like a little tour before or riding to the start of the race. Um, I think Lael popularized that way back in the day. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of people have uh, do that. And it's a great way to kind of get yourself into ride shape and, and the right mentality, it seems like, to take on these big events. Yeah, it is hard to show up to race, kind of couch to racing, even if you feel strong. Just uh, my, my almost like kind of not philosophy, but what I'm trying to accomplish is to show up a little tired like not fully recovered just so then I'm like, you know, like I can eat my burritos, uh, cause I'm not like trying so hard when I try really hard on day one, like I can't eat, uh, I can sleep well. It usually takes me two days or three days to sleep. Well, like I'm not blowing up. Like sure. Maybe my day one is not as fast as if I was totally fresh, but it sets me up well for all the other days to not be like tired. It's just like a routine. Yeah. You know, it actually makes some sense. I've heard multiple writers talk about how, you know, Sofian says he doesn't even get warmed up within, you know, it takes 400 miles essentially before he feels mm -hmm. like he's warmed up. And I've heard that echoed uh, by other other people as well, maybe not 400 miles, but just essentially it takes a while to get your body and your mind into the groove of, of what you're doing. And so you're kind of like jumpstarting that process mm -hmm. a little bit and, and getting yeah, getting getting your mind right, getting your body where it needs to be and acclimated to um, big efforts. Uh, it makes yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it wouldn't be what most people think when they think about like an athletic uh, effort, um, but you know, a twenty four hour race or you know, a cross country mountain bike race is much different than oh, you know yeah. twenty seven hundred miles. Yeah. So. I can definitely show up to a day event uh, and I would want to be rested and like, it doesn't matter how, how bad I feel the day after, but for things that are more than a week long, uh, you have to care how you feel the day after your first yeah. day. after. Yeah, yeah. Big time. And the yeah. day after that and the day after that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for weeks, uh, yeah. at least on the tour divide. So going into uh, I'm interested to yeah to get your answer on this because I'm I'm curious what your goals were with this year's Colorado Trail. Um, you didn't even know if you were gonna do it. You were kind of like, why am I doing this again? Um, do Do you set goals for yourself? And and if so, what what are they? No no goals. Uh, I'm like really not. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't set goals because I don't know. I just don't want to be disappointed. I want to do like what I can do. Um, like maybe do my best, but I don't know if I set goals and I don't get them, like where does that get me? Um, it's, it's like nice when nice things happen, but it's okay when bad, like by bad things happen as in like, I don't know if I'm not first or like somewhere in the, like in the back, but finished, like that's fine. I mean, some people would say that's bad, <laughs> but <laughs> it's good to me, but also like if the mechanical happens that I can't fix or like I get an injury. Um, I like to give myself permission to quit and not feel bad about it. Like, at least I hope like I have it in me. Um, so I also have like, I feel like if I focus too much on the goals and I don't achieve them, that might be a little more sad, but I'm also like, I'm not in a bike packing world. Like I'm not, it's not my full-time job. It's my first year. Like, um, I kind of don't set expectations. Um, maybe later I'll have goals. Uh, like if I keep doing uh, the same races or more races, but for now, it's just like, see what I can do in the first place. Do you have any goals like in terms of like, just have fun finish? Um, like, do you set any kind of like mantras or any, you know, what is your mindset essentially whenever you approach these, these big events, you know? 
I mean, yeah, it's hard. I think this year I am somewhat focused on uh, doing my best and finishing. So, I mean, that that is a goal. Um, I suppose it just doesn't have numbers to it. Um, but I do, I think I need to like kind of think of why I'm doing all of this. Partially, there's a bit of like, uh, I guess, adrenaline after a race where like, you know, like you feel so good, everyone's so nice, you eat all the food and sleep. And I think like that is nice. Um, but in terms of like career, like that's, you know, like biking is not really right now as, as a career. So like, I don't have to ride certain races. I don't have to place. So that's not really like influencing how I ride. And so I do have to question like, why do I do those rides? Partially, yeah, it is like the community. Like it is kind of fun to get all the cheering messages and like know that like I'm representing like Oakland area, for example, because like I do get a lot of people like, I don't know you, but like I'm in Oakland. And like, That's it's cool. so exciting to like that watch. So I do feel like I'm like, kind of like doing this for other people as well. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's super interesting. And and it actually was one of my questions is like, yeah, let me ask it. Why? And maybe you're still working your way through this because like you could just go tour, you could randonnee, you could, you know, you could just yeah. go ride on the weekend with your friends. So I have why as to why racing versus touring. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think I just get bored and I do get that like mental uh, stimulation out of rate. I don't know. It's like, it is fun to see how far your body can go. Yeah. Uh, like every new thing you do, you're like, oh, I am capable of this. And touring, it's like, I've done enough. And it's like, yes, it's nice to like eat food and stuff for coffee. But like, I guess it doesn't give me like enough, uh, like good feelings. Like it's type one fun and then I'm here in type two fun that is like more long term, like long yeah. last. Yeah. You touched on, I think at the very beginning of our conversation, you said like you're you're interested essentially, I'm I'm paraphrasing, I think, a little bit, but you're essentially in interested in um what your own personal potential is. And I think uh, that's that's what attracts me to doing hard things. It's and it's what me attracts me just as as a spectator and a fan of of this sport. Is I'm super interested in what the human potential is and how far we can push that. I do think that is probably my biggest like driving factor. Uh, just like curiosity of like what I can do. And there's probably not really a limit limit. Like it's kind of like a line that approaches some asymptote, but. Um, yeah, it's just every time I do something better and surprise myself, like it's exciting and it makes me want to do more or like it makes me want to try something again to see if I could do better. So that was a bit of Colorado trail. Like I knew I could do better, like equipment wise, like prepping my Achilles, like, cause I like more aware of what I need to do for it to not to hurt. And then like, you know, hiking up mountains, knowing the terrain. Uh, so all those things, like I know I can do better. And so I'm just curious what that better is. Yeah, that, that I think that's the fun question mark. And and speaking of puzzles, I mean that's you know that's a huge puzzle that takes into account you know equipment, your body, your mind, uh, the terrain, the weather, and there's all mm -hmm. these factors that you know go into that equation. And uh, yeah, it, it's always an interesting puzzle to to see how how you're able to to deal with that. For you, when you're racing, let's let's use the Colorado Trail for example. Um, how how much are you, if at all, impacted by what other people are doing? You know, when Lael's ahead of you, are you like, okay, 
that's I'm gonna go for her dot. She's sleeping. I'm gonna you know what it, what is your approach and 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 does that affect you at all? Oh, I'm definitely racing. So if there's a carrot dangling, it doesn't matter if it's like any like any dot in front of me. Like I'll yeah. probably try to get to it. I mean, not to the degree where I'm making bad decisions. Like if I know I need to sleep and sleep is what I need to do to recover, I will sleep. Like. Um, but if there is a dot ahead of me, I, I do make plans like, oh, I'm good at hiking. Here's a really steep hike a bike. Maybe that's the thing I try on today to see like how much time I can gain. Um, so yeah, I do make those decisions. But at the end of the day, again, I'm not that competitive. It's like if I tried and I still can't do it, well, we're better. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I relate to your approach to racing very much. Like I... My girlfriend and I were talking. I, I I did an ITT on a race that I host in East Texas. Um, it's 400 miles, and I DNF'd at like mile 340, um, and like I was fine with my effort, you know. Like, but she was like, "But you were had all these goals and all this stuff," and I'm like, "Yeah, but it's okay. Like, it's always <laughs> there. Like, I'll just go back and do it again, you know. Like, I'm not happy that I didn't finish." But I'm also like okay with it, and I'll, I plan I'll go do it again, and I'll do better, you know, is the goal. And so I, I don't know. I I really relate to your approach. It's like I do want to go out there and do my best and see what I can do. But if you don't got it, you don't got it, and there's no reason to like beat yourself up over it. I'm I'm not a professional racer, so yeah. you know. Well, especially since I am doing well, it's like I can't really ask myself to do more. Like it's already nice, but like if I don't you know if it's second or third place. Like it's fine. <laughs> That's pretty good, you know. <laughs> That's such a great, uh, great perspective. I really like that. What is what is your training look like? How are you preparing um, at home, um, either on the bike or off the bike? Like, what are you doing to train for these these big rides? Uh, I generally, I live on a hill, um, like thousand foot hills. So I commute pretty much daily. So I have to do at least a really steep climb. And California is really steep. So I think my base level is just I move around on my bike to begin with and like have groceries and stuff. Uh, so there's that baseline. I do like climb and do weights. So that's like a different baseline. And then I do try to go on overnight like camping trips, not specifically to train. It's just like my life in general. Like, um, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Brandon Uring rides are really awesome. Like after tour divide, I did a, like a 300 K that kicked my butt. It's long. It's like 180 miles. I was like, why am I doing this right after Tour de Vine? Um, but then like before the race, I really do think it's very important to get a few days in um, biking. Um, so like either biking to the start for Tour Divide. Um, Cross Washington for me this year was a race that was like a training ride. And then biking to the start was like the recover uh, train more. But that was intense. And I know I can't do that all the time. It's kind of a privileged way to be because you just have to have so much time off and like yeah. whatever your job is or responsibilities, like obviously you have to drop them to go ride that long. Uh, for Colorado Trail, that looked like the four-day uh, tour of the San Juans. And during those tours, I tried to bike kind of as fast, like break more, you know, like I would allow myself to stop and eat, uh, but I'd still bike kind of um and sleep, but I'd still bike all the time in between. So if there's a pass, I would try to like, you know, go up the pass fast and still have a lot of miles in a day. So that might look like maybe a little too intense right before the race, but that's what I need. I need to like tire myself out and just like kind of also mentally make myself a little more humble because it's easy to start um, a race fresh 
remembering all the nice rosy things from like previous times of like, oh, it's beautiful. It's going to be great. But in reality, it's just hard and it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. Sometimes it's just hard. Um, so, yeah. So like mentally, that makes me just in the right mindset. Um, that preps me for sleep well. It makes me for eating well, um, like just being out before, like a week before. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Let's let's talk about your sleep strategy. What what have you found works well for you, whether Tour Divide or Colorado Trail? I don't know if you've developed a sleep strategy, but what is your approach yeah. in general to that? Um, I well, my sleep kit is bivy and sleeping pad and really warm quilt. So I'm like warm and bivy. Um and I find it very cozy. But my actual like time-wise sleeping. I need to sleep. Um, if I skip, skip sleep, like anything goes, like, I just don't know what I'll do. Like, maybe I'll be fine. Maybe I'm not, but like, I, I'm just like afraid if I like, I don't know what's going to happen. I might like mentally break down. Uh, so I sleep between like, if I sleep four hours, I feel pretty okay. Five hours, I feel pretty good. So I try to like keep it between four and five generally. And then if I need to, if it's like the last day where there's some important like crux points, like less, like we'll do like three or two and a half but I try to sleep. Um, and actually on Colorado trail this year, I was pretty tired by the end of day one. Like my legs were so sore and I was really worried. I was like, if this lactic acid will like stay with me, like it's going to be a problem. And then I slept mm. for honestly, probably less than four hours at 12 and a half thousand feet. So like not probably not good sleep. And then I woke up and I was like, I feel good. Like my legs are fine. There's no lactic acid. Um, so that really, and then I was able to be fast the next day. And so uh, Alexander is kind of of the same opinion because we were talking about it a few days ago. But um, I do think if you do sleep, you're actually faster, <laughs> like than skipping sleep. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what that balance is. Like for me, it's between four and four, four and five hours where it's sustainable. Like tour, uh, tour divide, I think it was roughly that. Um, if I get that time range, then I feel fine. Um, and so that's why I kind of try to shoot for it. Colorado Trail is a little harder and trickier because it's just shorter. And so you can get away with a lot more things. Like you, you mm -hmm. don't have to eat as well. You don't have to sleep as well. And so I did try um, something new this year, like around Buena Vista, I didn't sleep. I, I had like, I laid down for maybe 45 minutes, uh, but it wasn't like true sleep. And it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I had a pretty horrible time. Like I had a normal first few days. I was like, this is good. I'm like consistent. And then when I didn't sleep the next day, I was like, uh, this is pretty horrible. Like I do not feel like myself. Um, this is like feeling like the blow up moment to me. Like I'm mentally like not doing great. Mm -hmm. um, but then as the day went on and I kept saying like, I'll just nap around the corner, like, uh, like just do the swing, not then just do the swing, not then. And I like never did. And then by the end, I got to the single track section. That's the last 50 miles. I was like, okay, I don't need to sleep. I just need to like get back. And at that yeah. point I started to feel from bad to just like, not myself, not in a bad way. Like I had a really good time, but it was very like out of body experience. Like I, I described it as like uh, ego death, where I was like, I truly don't know who I am. I'm just here on the bike. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that is a weird experience. I had that for the first time just like a month ago. I, I did a couple hundred mile ride, like I, and I rode through the night and, um, I mean, I wasn't even that tired or anything. So it was kind of interesting, but I don't know. I just, I literally felt like I was watching my body ride a bike through like the terrain. And I, I didn't have any relation 
that I could like tangibly understand that like would put me back in my body. And that was like the first time that I was like, oh, is that what it's like when all these people are, you know, is that the experience that all these people are talking about? I think, I think that I, I, I touched on that and it, it was such a surreal feeling because you're, um, you know, you're watching your legs go and the pedals are going up and down and you're just like, I'm just floating through space and time right now. Like I'm not even, I'm not even here. I did kind of feel, I, I'm, uh, well, I describe myself not as a risk taker. So on day rides, like I do worry about falling and like sometimes I psych myself out too much, like depending on where we go, even though I'm like pretty good mountain biker. But on tours, I don't know why, I just never worry. I'm like, I can't crash. It's impossible. So more more so than when I was like not running and no sleep uh, in the middle of the night, I was like, nothing can happen. I can just blast down the single track. It'll be okay. Um <laughs> So that was like another feeling. Um, it's just like nothing wrong can go. Uh, nothing can go wrong. Um, Maybe it, it gave you ego. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> except I also didn't know like why I'm doing this. Just, yeah. <laughs> when you bring the bike around. Um, it was also a really warm and calm night. Um, and I was convinced that I've never seen that part of trail ever, even though I did it the year before in daylight. But I like, I was like, I've never been here. Like, I just do not recognize this little thing. Uh, so I felt like I was on a different planet because I was like at this warm, calm, like, I don't know where I am. Um, also my phone died so I couldn't see the big picture where I am on the map. So it felt like I was mm. five miles away from the end and just going in circles because it's so disorienting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty wild. I was having arguments with myself, like trying to figure out what's, cause I was, I was on like a road slash gravel ride, like not on, not on trail. And so I was like, am I on pavement or gravel? Was I just on pavement or gravel? Like, <laughs> what you know? And I don't, and like in the moment, I'm like, this doesn't even matter. Just ride your bike. But like, I was, it, it mattered in the moment. I was just trying to figure <laughs> out what surface I'm like riding on right now. <laughs> oh man, it was really, really interesting. So uh, for your sleep, I'm just looking at track leaders, but it looks like you slept three times and then you had a really long push to the end. Is that that is, is true? That, Okay. So, so you essentially had probably three, you know, four to five hour sleeps and then you had a big push. So, um, how, how long is that big push at the end? How many miles is that? Yeah, I think it was like two thirty ish. I mean, I did lay down, but it really wasn't sleep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like roughly two thirty miles. And in my head, I was like, Oh, it should get easier. It doesn't really like, it's a general downhill, but it wasn't that easy. <laughs> my idea, right. my, my thinking was like, uh, well, the end is close. Like I could do this. Like, uh, cause I was thinking I was sleeping a little too much before. And actually one time I overslept on Sergeant Mesa. I overslept my alarm by like maybe hour and a half. And then Anna was really close to me. And I remember being like, you can't sleep this much. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, another night, well, I started, okay, so another thing I started doing is I stopped blowing up my sleeping pad because it took too long. So just in my chamois, I just pull out my quilt and just like lean pine needles to save time. So I started doing that to the end, like like at the end. Um, and I actually like that strategy because you're so tired, you can sleep anywhere and the quilt is enough to keep you warm. Right. Um, yeah. Brett Stepanek leaves his helmet on and uses that as a pillow. Like it kind of elevates yeah. your head a little bit. And so, oh, you were just on a little panel with yes, Brett Stepanek. Yes, yeah. And Alexander. That. Yeah. Hey, he mentioned that. Yep. He mentioned exactly that. 
Yeah, yeah, that's he's yeah. He's been on the... he's riding, I didn't realize he was riding with no dropper and fully rigid bike. It's crazy. Wild man. Yeah, I don't know if I can yeah. take advice from people who do that. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Good point. I don't know if I want to listen to him either. <laughs> Oh, so uh, so that final push. I if I if track leaders is correct, um, you caught up to and passed Lael, um around 150 with around 150 miles left to go. Um, so was was your sleep strategy at all based on you know winning the thing, staying ahead of Lael? Uh, a little bit of V, a little bit of B, kind of like I mentioned before I like overslept. I was like, I should try to sleep less. And I already was planning as like, well, I haven't really done a lot of races where uh, I push to the end. And I do regret a little bit on Tour Divide not doing that because I should have probably pushed for the night. But instead, I rode in the heat in the headwinds when I like didn't need to. Um, and so, yeah, so I think even going in the race, I was like, the end, I should try like to skip and sleep in whatever capacity. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, that it also lined up. It's like, well, if I did pass uh, Lael, I guess it probably makes sense that I like try to push a little harder until I get tired. And yeah, I did get tired, but it was kind of too late. It was like the middle of the day and I was like, I don't want to sleep. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that is a really good strategy because oftentimes what we'll see, and if it goes wrong is kind of like we were saying in the beginning, you push really hard, you're, you're, you know, really, um, pushing your boundaries on sleep. And then you have the potential of falling apart, which kind of ruins your race potentially. But, um, you know, it's an interesting game, right? This endurance game of like, what is my limit? Where are they? And there's only one way to find out, but the best place to find out is towards the end. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That that definitely was my strategy. It's like, if I'm not going to sleep, it's not going to be day one. Uh, right. It's going to be the last day. And on Tour Divide, it was kind of funny to observe because uh, some people would not sleep on day one. I was like, what are you? I mean, like, clearly, like, I'm not them. And, like, they probably know their bodies. But I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> There's so much more. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's super, it's super interesting. I, I Again, this is another conversation that keeps coming up about, you know, how much sleep is is the right amount and is it better to get four hours or skip sleep altogether and just, mm-hmm. you know, make up those miles? And um, more often than not, the what I'm hearing from other racers is that sleeping is faster, that you will make up that four or five hours with a fresher body. Um, you'll feel better. Your your lactic acid will have a chance to work its way out and, and you'll be able to ride faster, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I think figuring out for each person what that number is, because I mean, for me, it's like four or five. Um, I think for others, it's maybe less. Um, but yeah, I, I do also think that sleep is important. And strategically, maybe you could like skip it here and there. But like, you got to really know your body to do that. Yeah. It can't be a guessing game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times, the only the only real opportunities to find out and, and play this game, quote unquote, is is when you're in the actual race, because like, when are you going to go ride 2700 miles, just like on a weekend, right? Like you're not. So uh, these are the kind of the opportunities, like the testing ground, um, as well as as the race. Um, I'm curious about, you know, on your own personal journey of pushing your limits, um, and, and that last 230 mile stretch, uh, what did, what did you learn about yourself, your own personal limits? And, and do you think that, you know, pushing that sleep in the future will be something that you, you know, feel more confident or comfortable doing? 
I mean, I wouldn't say like I haven't done that before. The random urine ride that I was mentioning, the 360 mile, I think that was probably a bigger, like no, like less sleep push. Um, okay. So, um, I guess what I learned there is like, yeah, it's kind of a gamble because I did feel pretty awful during the like heat of a day. Um, but then it like transitioned into like I'm having a good time because I feel like I'm on drugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I don't know if that will consistently happen. So I guess what I learned is like, yeah, what I did, like it was a, it was a gamble, but um, it worked uh, and it might work next time. But I still would say that I would continue my sleep as is. And then maybe if it's the end, like do this again. But yeah, yeah, I was regretting, I was regretting my decision when it was like, you know, noon and I was on that road, like falling asleep, the detour. Uh, And it was hot. I was just like, I'm not having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, this is not fun. I'm not okay. Why yeah. did I do that? Yep, yep. <laughs> and that, that felt like a blow up moment was coming up because I was like, I'm, I'm. Every time I race, um, I'm very cautious now because I know, like, from experience, I know that like I could blow. Like things can change very quickly. You can go from I feel amazing to like uh, this is not going well. And so I'm always cautious whenever like someone's like, oh, like you're doing awesome. I'm like, hold on, like there's still so many miles. <laughs> I'm like trying to manage so hard feeling good, quote unquote. Like I do actively try to feel happy. I remember Alexander told me on like Tour Divide, he sent a little memos to each other. He's like, it's okay to feel sad. I'm like, I know it's okay, but like, it doesn't make me bike better. Like I'm not biking well when I'm sad. So I try to manage my emotions of like staying relatively like uh, content. Um, And so, yeah. So then that moment when I didn't sleep, I was like, well, I think I did. I blow it. It worked out, but uh, I was like, maybe like things will start hurting a lot. Maybe I'm going to fall in a ditch and fall asleep for five hours. Like, I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Well, let's segue into my next question, which is uh, if you were, if you, if you had to do this year's Colorado trail again, is there anything that you would do differently? Um, honestly, I'm very happy with my run. Um, what I would do differently. I mean, I think doing it in this direction again would help just again, in general, knowing expectations uh, that might make me a little speedier, but I, maybe I would bring, cause I did make it to Silverton on time. And that was like a big question mark cause resupplies are so limited. Um, maybe if I trust myself to do it just as fast, I would not bring so much food in the beginning and get it later, but then you still spend a lot of time at the store, like kind of planning it. Honestly, I feel good. I think maybe like train harder and be faster but in terms of decisions that i made and like yeah times i've slept and didn't sleep that was good yeah it seems like yeah i mean you had a really clean run i mean you got mm-hmm. your three sleeps you had a good push at the end uh you weren't plagued with any mechanicals and uh i mean overall it sounds like a, a really clean run and, and good weather this year too yeah, right? great weather the weather yeah totally played um it'd be nice to get under five days and i was kind of trying and i think the last section my oh, I'd bring a little more battery light because the last section I was running a little bit on like the moonlight setting of my lights. Hmm. Like I, yeah. So doing the last section in a day or having more light or power probably would have made me a little faster. But and yeah, it was like going under five days is definitely doable. Um, and I could like shave off an hour and a half somewhere. Yeah. yeah. We might have already touched on your low, um, but let's hit your highs and lows for Colorado Trail Race. Hi, maybe is winning it and getting an FKT, <laughs> but before that. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, the, the last section I keep talking about because it was so wild and like unlike anything I felt before, 
I think I like that was maybe my high. Another high was Johnny running into me at Leadville because like I like humans and like um, I, I was like trying to run away from Johnny and Johnny was trying to catch up to me. It's like a again friendly competition, but uh, seeing sure. her at Leadville gas station was like really exciting. Just like another person because I really is that run. Alexandra's partner? Yes. Okay. Um. Uh. Yeah. It was. Uh. I mean, outside of a race, it was also fun when I was doing the little tour uh, I ran into another racer Mike um, he's from Leadville I'm not sure what his last name is but it was a uh, really fun to like have another racer outside of a race when we were training it was kind of the same feeling where like in the morning like oh hello and then like you pass each other um, so I guess like people um, I do enjoy that we're all doing this together and I there's no way that I would do well on the ITT because I feel like I like the aspect of well, a bit of competition and like, you know, like trying to catch up to someone or trying to drop mm-hmm. someone, but also like, it's so fun, like in the middle of the night to see all the lights, like we're all are like trying to get somewhere well, by somewhere yeah. <laughs> on the same trail. Um, it's like a, such a like fun human experience. Yeah. Uh, I was really enjoying the, just that there are all of us are doing that at the same time. I really like that imagery that you painted earlier in the conversation about like seeing all the lights at night, like traversing the trail, like in front and behind you. And um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a really cool imagery. And 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 speaking of ITTs, I, I'm i not much of a, like I, I did an ITT on my own route and then I'm doing one in like 30 days on another route that I created. Um, but I've invited people on this on this 475 one because I'm like, I, I would really like for someone else to be out there. It's, it's I don't know. It's just not as much fun. Uh, you're just I think like I mean I'm only speaking to my own experience, but I just felt like I mean the only thing I had to think about was myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no one to chase. There's nobody else in there. I'm not going to run into anybody in the gas station. I'm not going to get to ride with anybody. Um, and I, I like, I like riding alone. Like I, you know, I enjoy my solitude when I'm out there, but it's also really nice to just know that there's other people yeah. out on the course with you, you know? I do like exchanging like a few words here and there. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I feel too. Uh, it's not really motivating for me to be out there. Um, especially racing if it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's something definitely to having other people there for me as well. So speaking of motivation, what motivates you? <laughs> what, what motivates you, let's say, you know, to, you know, your alarm's going off after four hours of sleep. Uh, you know, what motivates you to keep pushing when you're sleep defri- deprived and hungry? Like, do you, do, you ha- do, you, do you know what, you know, your internal motivation is or what, what, what really like keeps you going and keeps you mm-hmm. in it? Well, for like waking up and going, it's like I did sign up for this competition and I do enjoy competition. So competition, like someone's going to catch up to me. Someone's going to yeah. pass me. Uh, so in terms of getting up and like taking little time is that. Um, yeah, because uh, overall time matters, but like it's kind of hard to grasp at the moment. Um, so you kind of have to go off like, well, I'm like, they're all here. Like, yeah, we're competing against each other. Yes, we're friends, but that is what keeps me going. Just like trying to get ahead <laughs> yeah in that situation because races are fun it's like you're testing your body but you're testing your body along with everyone else yeah yeah good answer all right i gotta figure out my whys <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't. I mean, I think I, I think you enjoy it. I think you enjoy the process. I think you enjoy the competition and uh, and learning. You know how how tough you are. Maybe uh, um, it's you know there's a lot of other people out there. I mean, it's still a very niche sport, but it's it's growing, and I think it's growing because people have these same question marks. They want to find out. Hey, can I do that? Can I do yeah. that well? How far can I ride without sleep? You know, these are question marks that we can't answer until we put ourselves in a situation to to find out. People ask like, well, why why do people climb mountains? Kind of like, well, because they're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm super interested in human potential and uh, I'm fascinated by it. And I think that's at the core of what motivates me personally to pursue hard things and just be an interested spectator of the sport. You know, I, I, I'm in awe of people that do this, this stuff. Um, I think this is a tough question to answer, but I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> what, what does it mean to you to not only win the Colorado trail race, but to be the FKT holder? Um, Maybe it hasn't sunken in. It just feels like, I mean, it, it's awesome. And I think like maybe I'll wrap my head around it. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of weird. Cause like, um, yeah, like I came into this like spotlight that I didn't really expect. And I'm not sure if I like want to be in the spotlight. I just like want to ride, but maybe there are like expectations now and maybe I'm making them up, but like, uh, like, do I have to keep racing <laughs> like the same thing? And if someone takes it, like, do I go for the FKT again? Um, so yeah, it's, it's awesome, but I haven't thought too much about it, I guess, but, um, I'm a little weary of like, do I, would I have pressure now to like have to do more or like perform better? And if I don't perform better, cause it's not really my job, um, like what would people think? Like, I, I don't think it really matters. This is like a new thing to me, like, uh, like bike races and like just generally doing well, like, no, again, I know I want to still like, call myself a baby deer. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, but it's yeah. weird that I have done well. So now like some random strangers, um, like know about me. Yeah. 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 Trust me. I know a little bit about that Not from racing, but just, yeah, it's, it's interesting to have like people out there that like just know yeah. and are paying attention and they're watching and, um, yeah, I can, I can relate to that, but I don't know. I feel like to answer your question, I know you weren't exactly answer asking it to me, but, um, I think you get to do whatever you want to do. And if you like yeah. signing up for races, then you should. And if you just want to go on a bike tour, then you should probably do yeah. that. But yeah, I doubt sure there's any, that's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I doubt there's any like pressure from like the community at large. I think people are, you know, curious and excited. Um, you know, the, we're, we're all fans of this sport. We're, we're all interested in what, you know, the potential is for, for humans again, to go out there and do hard things. And, 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 and you're doing great, you know? And so it, it's fun to talk about, but I, I personally, uh, really enjoy your like approach and kind of like a little, I, I don't want to use laid back in like a, a, you know, like in a bad way, like, but I enjoy your approach to it. And you're like, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm trying my best and I'm doing well and that's cool. Um, but it's not my job. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing yeah, this just for fun. And, yeah. and I, and that's great. You know, I mean, I think it's, it's something that I think is really cool about this sport in particular is that it really, you know, whether you're, we don't have many sponsored athletes, but we, there's some sponsored athletes out there that do this for a, a job. There's people who have full-time careers, who are full-time parents, you know, who are younger, who are older. 
and and it really does like break down those those divisions and and you know on a long race like these you know anybody can show up i mean granted you have fitness and the equipment mm-hmm. and or you know but anyone can get to a point where they can sign up and and do well which i think is I think is what makes is part of what makes this sport really special. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you need to feel any pressure. I think you should just keep doing probably self, uh, yeah. Uh, self created with anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, now I'm going to have a job. What's going to happen? Like, (laughs) What is going to happen? That's actually my next question. So we've kind of touched on it, but I'm curious, like, um, do you have aspirations of being, uh, an athlete in this, in this sport, um, after all these good results are companies calling you or DMing you at all? Like, um, is that something that you're even interested in or do you just, do you just really want to, you know, do whatever you want to do and pursue it in any way that you would like to without any kind of expectation or sponsor to make happy or whatever? Yeah. Um, I have to figure it out. I do. Yeah. I do feel like, this is not going to become like my main time thing. Um, and I kind of approached this year as like, well, it's hard to do tour divide. I'll just like do tour divide. If I have to like, it's kind of a good transition to with my job to like quit it. It's been a while. Um, so I was like, it's only once in a lifetime, but now it's becoming like, well, you did well, so maybe you should continue, but I'm still going to have a job. And so we'll see how they take, like, I'll try to see how much I can actually ride. My guess is going to be not tour divide every year, but more like, you know, like, you know, Kenai 250, like uh, Arizona 300, like more like shorter, like you only need a few days off. Um, I think in terms of like what I will be doing, my life is not going to change because I've already been biking a lot and like on weekends go on trips and stuff. And like that has been my training and probably will continue being my training until I get very tired of biking, but it's been seven years. So probably not going to get tired of it. Um, so yeah, I feel like the races will be shorter and, um, I don't really sponsor wise. I don't know. I mean, I could get some things, but now I'm worried. It's like, well, if I do have sponsors, then there's pressure to Mm -hmm. go up. Cause like if I get a bike or whatever and just don't do races because I'm busy with work, like, um, I'm assuming that's not how sponsorships work. (laughs) Um, so yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'll have to figure it out. Um, it's not like the entire industry is like, yeah, like, like, (laughs) let's get you stuff and you don't ever have to work so like case for almost anyone um and uh for plants like i already have like plans for next year uh like a few bike races not not concrete and again i haven't started my new job so who knows but it'd be fun to try um something new especially out of the country like the silk um so sounds fun and i speak russian so i feel like it's kind of fun to go somewhere where i could like read and talk to people dude that would be uh, a huge advantage yeah, yeah. Yes. uh and it's sorry a side topic but it's funny for every race you kind of need to acclimate so colorado trail it's like uh you know elevation arizona trail heat and i feel like silk mountain it's like food you have to go there like throw up a few times and get used to it and then go <laughs> That's such a good observation. Yeah. It seems like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people have stomach problems. So that's a great observation. Go ahead get your stomach acclimated in Uh that race. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think you got a great handle on it. It's, I guess, um, I don't know. It's gotta be fun to, 
you know, have these things in your mind that you're like thinking about, like have these potential options or whatever. But yeah, at the end of the day, hopefully you're out there just riding your bike and having a good time and enjoying it. And, um, and, and that, you know, that's been your secret for success for so far. So, um, you know, anyone who would want to, my secret, (laughs) her superpower is low expectations. (laughs) Uh, yeah, just find a sponsor that also has low expectations and it'll be a perfect fit. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, you know, Chumba's relationship with Alexandra, they've been partners for like a long time and I don't, I know Vince and I know Alexandra and I don't want to speak to them too much, but I, I, you know, I've talked to Vince, the owner, and I mean, they're, they just want to support Alexandra. Like, it's not like a results thing. Like she needs to go and do X, Y, Z. She didn't even have social media for years before, you know, like, um, and so I, I think that's just a good example. And I think it kind of speaks to the, again, this community where, you know, if a sponsor was going to work with you, I bet there's companies out there that, that just want to support you being you, right? That's, that's the real story. It's like not you being number one, not you doing X, Y, or Z. Like it's just, it's let Katya be Katya and and do her thing. Um, the same way Alexandra does, you know, she's a great example. I think of another person who just, um, yeah, it's kind of like carved out a nice, a nice path for herself. It seems again, as an outside perspective looking in. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is like, I have probably actually have all the bikes that I need now, thanks to Jackson giving me his bike. Uh, (laughs) But usually that's like the biggest like limiting factor, because like, it's hard to drop like $6,000 on a bike for every race. I mean, travel expenses and like leaving your like time off work. I mean, it, yeah, it adds up. It was expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't mind. It wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings to have a sponsor. I mean, you know, yeah, I can imagine just like offsetting some of the costs, not even like being, you know, making money. It's just like, man, it's, it's, yeah. it's a huge sacrifice financially, time-wise, gear-wise. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, that, that's the biggest limiting factor is, uh, is, is the expense that comes into it. But anyone with the time off and, and the, all the equipment, if you're willing to put in the time, uh, to training, you know, um, it's, it's an accessible thing. Um, all right. Well, uh, what's next? Is Arizona Trail next? Do you have anything planned in between now and then? Uh, between now and then, no. Well, maybe like small things around. Like the there's a local like Tahoe day, not even a race, just like a fun event that you can do fast. Um, probably just maintain. So yeah, Arizona Trail is the only like scheduled thing. Honestly, not even that scheduled because again, I haven't started my job. But they're aware. Like when I was like yeah, getting hired, I was like, ah, so there's this thing in October. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so Arizona Trail. Maybe I'll like try to go somewhere. Maybe even stay with Kirsten, like just to get used to the heat. Um, the nice thing about my job is I can't work remotely. Also, kind mm. of a nice little bonus. Uh, so I try to like go to a place um, if it's Colorado trail it'd be at high elevation. If it's Arizona trail, then like be in the heat. Um, and then just maintain, just like ride around. Um, yeah. yeah. So you did AZT before you ended up completing the 300. Um, what kept you from finishing that one? Was it just the heat? And, and, and a follow-up question on that would be like, what are your plans to you know, make it to the end this time to overcome the the thing that 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 kept uh, kept you from finishing. 
that's the most destroyed I've ever felt uh, in my life. Um, I mean, it was my, granted, it was my first backpacking race. So there's a lot of issues. Like um, my leg, I broke my leg skiing, like not even a year before. So it was like not fully healed. So I didn't feel like I could just like, you know, like fall on it accidentally. Same so like, one you broke running or a different no, one? No, I have both my legs have titanium rods, different stories. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, but this one's more recent, like less than three years ago. Jesus, uh, okay. Yeah, um, so my leg was like not super healed. Uh, my bike was like not super, like it was a hardtail with like not really good suspension. I had to sit on my seat a lot because of my leg, like just too much force on it. If I was standing, my back tire, I think was a recon race and I was like fish tailing and everything. So I just like didn't know, like my equipment wasn't well fit. I changed a seat last minute, a minute for the race, which you're not supposed to. And, um, uh, it was like a leather seat, uh, and the side of it, cause the leather is like taut. So it's like kind of sharp, like just caught into my thigh on downhills. Like I just had a raw skin on like my legs, nice. uh, my hands. I could well actually I still have hand issues, but then like I couldn't even shift anymore by the middle. I had ergon grips, and I actually learned that I hate ergon grips, the ones that like put force. Well, that specific type of uh, grip where like you put force on your palm, like it's uh, yeah. it's lighter. Um, and like I just know like I need normal grips that don't have weird shapes to them, and so I couldn't shift anymore from nerve damage. My body was destroyed. Um, yeah, so lots of excuses. But I think more than anything, it's probably because it was my first race and I just didn't know what I was doing. Uh, also went out too fast and then kind of blew up. Um, the heat, I'm not that familiar with. I don't know how much it played a role on the overall, uh, like, um, like me feeling poorly. Uh, but yeah, combination of a lot of things. And then by, by the end, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> 300 is good enough. <laughs> Like, oh, and also, I think I took like uh, 14 days off work. And I just like knew there's no way I'm going to like finish even in probably 14 days. Or if I do, like, I can't get back home or like yeah. rest. Um, and it's so remote. So, yeah, if you're not feeling great, um, kind of could be dangerous out there in the heat. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, what yeah. else happens? So, yeah, for this year, my plans are like try to like go to Arizona early on, um, to, again, to acclimate a little to like just the weather, uh, the bike I trust this time, like I just did Colorado trail and I don't think Arizona trail is too, too rumblier than Colorado trails. So, like I trust the bike, uh, like the tires, um, my leg is not broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And but you'll I, have I, better grips. Yeah. Better grips. Oh, I learned like, yes, I grips is like what works for me to, not feel too too bad uh i'm actually really excited for the grand canyon part that was like what i was really looking forward to i do like i feel like i am actually a pretty okay hiker uh, i didn't think i was but that was because my bike was too heavy before yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah so i'm excited for that part and i'm generally excited for the northern parts because it's colder like more like mm. you know pine trees and that um so yeah just gotta survive the 300 which i have seen before it is hard um and then yeah, try not to blow up. That's like always my goal. Just one day at a time. Get sleep. Give me some advice. Uh I'm I'm only doing an ITT of the 300. Um so give what would be your advice to a, a first timer doing the 300 
uh, I easy I remember it. So yeah, trust your butt. Like, you know, like don't, don't start changing things on your bike last minute. But um, long pants, long shirt, even though it's hot, the plants are really mean. I had like a crazy rash from some grass and I couldn't sleep the first night. Um, yeah, the plants are just mean. Like kind of the joke is if you're going to fall, you have to think of like, do you fall right or do you fall left? Like which, which is worse. Uh, yeah. definitely bring a filter that you can back filter. I'm probably going to bring two filters because my filter got pretty destroyed pretty quickly. It took so long to mm. filter water. Um, like really know your water. I didn't really know my water that well. Johnny Alexander's partner gave me, um, a bit of his water going up at that point. I like knew I was like, I was like, I don't care if it's against the rules because I'm not probably not going to finish. Yeah. <laughs> I finished like way in the back, but uh, he gave me a bit of water, which I was thankful for. But we were going um, up uh, to the road on the Mount Lemon, and the campsite said like it had water. But then I was asking Alexander, like, is there water there? She's like, no, the closest water is on top of Lemon, which is like 4,000 feet of climbing. And I had like half a liter left. It was nighttime, so it wasn't like hot, hot. And I probably would have made it, but I was like terrified. Yeah. Um, Oh, also all my electronics died uh, because I did have a Dynamo Hub, which I will not have this time because it's like to me, uh, I mean, I had sans. I, I know different Dynamo lights do different kind of like lights, but mine was just flickering, so it wasn't useful. Yeah. And then it didn't charge any of the cash batteries the entire day. So by the end, I like all everything was going to die. I was like, I can't follow the trail. So uh, the next day going up the pavement, I connected my Garmin directly to the hub. So it was like flickering, but it was charging like barely mm -hmm. um, and until I got to the top. And then I spent like five hours charging everything, which at that yeah. point I was, again, just trying to survive. Yeah, I think the Dynamo hubs just don't work as well on like CT mm -hmm. or AZ for you're just not maintaining a high enough average speed to to work for most yeah. of them real, real well. What about tire size? Uh, what do you think you're going to run uh, on the AZT? Probably the same as Colorado Trail. So I had a, both recons, uh, front and back. The front was 2.6 and the back is 2.4, which actually I can't fit anything more than 2.4. The reason I picked 2.6 this time is because I no longer had full suspension. So I was like my compromise, like let's have a bigger tire in the front because uh, last year for Colorado Trail, I ran a full suspension of 2.4s. So that was like my compromise. Yeah. And then the back tire I had XO plus, uh, just the heavier, thicker tire. For Arizona Trail, I'm like, now I'm kind of thinking maybe I want the front tire to be XO plus too. It's I'm running Maxis, so it's their terminology. Um, just for because the plants are so mean. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, probably the same tire size at least. Yeah. So that big Hanzo, um, I'm pretty sure that's a that's a hardtail mountain bike with front suspension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, like 120 travel, probably 120, 130. Yeah. So you excited to get back out on the AZT and give it another run? Uh, still cautious feelings. I wouldn't say like I'm like, jumping with excitement, <laughs> um, but I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> well, no pressure. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to heart your dot on the track leaders when you're mm -hmm. out there, but no pressure. <laughs> Just have a it good goes, ride. It goes, uh, all the feelings that you have before the race, I feel like they're like kind of like become something else once you start. Like, usually, like they dissipate whatever worries I have. So, I'm hoping that will be the case. Yeah. Um, I am excited. I am excited for the really excited for the Grand Canyon. Uh, so, I want to get there this time. Yeah. 
Yeah, what a cool race. I mean, how many times do you throw your bike on your back? And I think it's 26 miles. You have to walk through the hike through the Grand Canyon with your bike on your back. So, I mean, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. I uh, I appreciate it. I was it was uh, really great to talk to you. I I was just glued to my tracker um, any time that I could and watching and that push you put at the end was just was fucking awesome. It was <laughs> it was just incredible. So, Thanks. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, here to provide dot watching entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For all your dot watching entertainment needs, just follow yeah. Katya. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your day. Hopefully you're getting some rest and I guess you get to start training for the next one. How far away are we? We're August, September. So we're like month two half. months away? Yeah, two a month months. and a half? Yeah, it's going to be dark. That I do remember. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to come up. So um, yeah, well, good luck with the Colorado Earth. Good luck with the <laughs> AZT and congratulations on the Colorado Trail. And again, it was, it's a, been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. And again, a special shout out goes to Katya. Uh, I, I love uh, I love all the people. I love the athletes that do this sport and all the people that do this sport. Um she just has the most laid back and uh, kind of thoughtful approach to bike packing, and uh, it's it's really fun. It's it's awesome to uh, to see, and it it shows again that um, that anybody can do this. Anyone? I think the future of bike packing is very bright, and I think we're going to continue to see people uh, surprise us, and that's cool and that's exciting. And uh, okay. So for next week, I uh, have a chat with a guy named Philip Crosby. I tracked him down at his farm in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I found out about Philip from a book that I read called To Shake the Sleeping Self by Jedediah Jenkins. And on in, that book is about Jedediah's uh, bike tour from Oregon all the way down to the southernmost terminus of South America. And on that journey, he had a friend go with him. And in the book, the guy's name is Weston. And I was really interested in this Weston character. And so I tracked him down. And it turns out his real name is Philip. Uh, and so we uh, had a chat at a fire on his property. Um, it was morning. It was beautiful. The weather was nice. We had coffee. And we had a nice chat. And that episode is coming out next week. So if you haven't already, I recommend uh, reading or listening to To Shake the Sleeping Self by Jedediah Jenkins. Um, you don't have to read the book to be able to enjoy the episode. Um, I tried to conduct it in a way that anyone can listen to it. But certainly, if you have read the book, you'll, uh, you'll have a better uh, context and understanding of some of the things that we're talking about. So, all right. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for being here today. It's always a pleasure. Until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before was it your imagination or merely folklore
Oh, death. 